Hi everybody, welcome back. Um, hope you're well. Things have been a bit um, a bit crazy the last week in lots of different respects, sort of in my life and also in, in the world at large. But um, I don't want to get too bogged down in that, um, or, even, or even bogged down in the, the boringness of my, my my life either. It's just been just very stressful, work and stuff ramping up. Um, nice to actually it was nice to be back in. Uh, work properly for the first time since March and uh, meet some of the new students so I met quite a lot of them this week which was nice um, things are you know a bit challenging at the moment but we're open for business and it's good and uh, some you know some, the institution has really really um, invested a lot in um, you know in, in making a, a sort of a safe environment for people it's really best best as can be done. You know, it, could, it couldn't be apart from people sort of wandering around in spacesuits or something, you know, which um, a few of us have joked about deep sea diving kind of costume or, um, you know, scuba diving equipment. I think I saw somebody in the lockdown in America walking around a supermarket in, um, in their um, scuba diving gear with, with the oxygen tank on, you know, which... It's pretty, you know, it's pretty safe, really, but it's not really practical, is it? So, um, yeah, anyway. So that's been, yeah, been a bit of a strange week, but um, I was kind of, it's sort of an interesting week, drum-wise, because I've not been playing very much. I mentioned this last week, and um, been kind of getting back into the pad again, and um, it's quite nice. I always have a thing where... If I go a few days without playing, I feel like I've gone a few months without playing. I don't know if anybody else relates to that. And then I like panic and think, oh my God, you know, everything's gone, it's all gone, you know. And then kind of watching, you know, just watching other people playing online or whatever, you know, just watching other videos and things and, you know, bits of bobs of this that, and the other. Um, most thing I watch tends to be on Instagram, really, drum wise. I don't tend to watch drum stuff on YouTube. I tend to watch stuff about engineering and cars and electronics and stuff on YouTube because I sort of sit down and watch that stuff, you know. Um, like Kind of like watching the telly, really, whereas the drum stuff, I kind of... Um, it's a kind of more familiar landscape and I just sort of dip in and out of things, um, watching kind of shorter videos and making sort of observations and things. It's quite interesting. But it's sort of... Te there's a technique kind of thing. I've been just watching lots of different people playing and it's really interesting watching... Um, people's approach to technique, you know. And then I just got back to thinking about this whole question of sort of a technique and a, a, a singular approach or, you know, a um, is there a one-size-fits-all thing for technique? And, and, of course, there isn't, you know, and there's, there isn't for lots of different reasons. I mean, if you, two of the most obvious reasons are if you look at somebody who's... Um, been through a system of education and plays in a certain way and plays very well, you know, and could probably track you back through all of their kind of um, technical development, you know. They could probably say, well, you know, I have a first lesson and, the, you know, the teacher got me to hold the sticks properly, you know, and, and, and that already, like, sort of asks a question to me, I mean, well, properly for who? You know, properly for them or properly for you? Did they did they measure your hands? You know, I mean, I saw a video this week where somebody was talking about 
this thing of the uh, the correct length of stick for you it, it should be um from i can't remember what it was saying so from your elbow to the end of your little finger or something you know um i think that was what it was i'd have to look that up again anyway it was some sort of measuring thing you know and i was just like looking at it and i was like yeah i'm really sure that i agree with that you know i i think you pick up something because it feels right you know you find after a while you find a stick that feels right for you for for different reasons you know i mean i've i've long talked about why i use the stick that i use you know i use this peter erskine original um it's called the spe i think i don't even know what it's called to be honest with you it's just the peter erskine original it's got a little ball tip on it it's like a 7a with a late taper so it's end it's an end heavy stick now me playing with an end heavy stick it's got nothing to do with the length of my forearm and the length of my little finger and the size of my nose and you know and what size shoes i take or any of that stuff it's to do with how I want a piece of wood to interact when I when I throw it in, you know, when I go in to hit something. But the feeling that I want to get from that as it hits whatever it's going to hit and then how I then control that feel, the feel of that thing going in and out, you know. So anyways, back to this original thing. See, I'm already going off on one ear, but it's uh, it, 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 it does have a kind of, there's a, there is a kind of, progression to this if you like in both schools of, of this argument by the way you know i'm making i'm presenting a bit of an argument here um which is cool i don't normally do this but i am today because i just feel a little bit kind of like um you know we need to people need to express themselves and find their own vibe you know um and this generic kind of thing this sort of big push that comes through social media of this kind of technical thing that you know everyone's like these certain individuals have got the answer to technique and that's the way. I, I don't subscribe to it myself. Um, but I think being open to learning about it, that's a different thing. I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I, uh, what I'm saying is it's about awareness, you know. But if we go back to this teacher analogy, the teacher taught me to hold the sticks properly and it's like, okay, well, did they you know, hold, it, hold it correctly for them or for you? So that's the first thing. There's, there's already like a beginning process there of kind of... Um, being sort of institutionalized or being kind of compartmentalized into a way of thinking. Now, that may, might not necessarily be a bad thing or not. I'm not saying it is or isn't, but it's just an observation. If somebody's, you know, walks into the drum lesson and they've got the sticks kind of, um, they're holding the stick with the little finger on its own and, um, you know, the rest of the hand's like a claw or something that's got nothing to do with the stick. I'm definitely going to be having a conversation with the student to say, listen, maybe that's not the most effective way to kind of get this thing to work you know if it's working for you that's cool let's listen to you play let's have a conversation about the sort of stuff you're playing and the sound you're trying to make and if the, the, the holding the stick with the little finger vibe is working for you then who am i to change that but um you know um maybe if you're coming into education maybe you're wanting to expand your horizons into different styles of music and play with different people and have different opportunities and then from my experience, the little finger technique maybe isn't going to take you all the way, you know. Um, but there may be exceptions to that rule. But you know, I'm I'm I've not met an exception to that rule yet, having been playing for quite a long time and taught a lot of people. But you know, I'm still uh, totally you know cool to be proved wrong uh, in in respect of every anything actually. Um, but yeah, so so anyway, that that person could say yeah, they got me to hold sticks correctly, and then we talked about you know I learned. 
um, a certain technique, you know, an approach, um, whatever, whatever. I don't want to put labels on anything, but a different approach with a teacher, you know. And then they could say, then I played like that for a while, and um, and then I got into a different style of music, and I found that technique to be maybe I couldn't get the delicacy or I couldn't get the power, you know, so I changed my hand position. I either went from a more open position, sorry, to a more open position or to a less open position to get more power or whatever, you know, there's all those kind of different things. And you can track that journey and have that conversation. And that um, that individual for me would probably be a very useful individual to be able to share um, that experience if she or he chose to, you know. Uh, I'm talking about in a kind of mentoring or a teaching sense, you know, because they've had different experiences, to say, different approaches of holding the stick and t techniques and ways of making sound and getting sound out of the instrument and power and delicacy and all that kind of stuff. And so they become quite a useful individual in relation to um, somebody else coming along and sort of trying to work out you know, oh, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn how to do this thing, and people are just, people come to somebody else because they want to find a way of getting somewhere quicker, and uh, and it's normally the somewhere quicker is the starting point, isn't it? You know, the starting point is playing music. That should always be in my book the starting point. I I want to be able to play the music I'm being asked to play or want to play. I'm involved in as best I can. You know. So the starting point is that. So everything that leads up to that is like pre, isn't it? It's like all the technique and all the things that practice and all the coordination stuff and all, it's all pre. It's the stuff that's before what the meaning of it is, you know, the actual purpose. And so, you know, I've, I've long said this and I, you know, I hold no secret about it. I feel like you know, social media is full of a lot of pre. It's full of a lot of um, the stuff before what's actually happening you know and uh, and of course you know it's obvious why isn't it the reason why is, is what i'm talking about now is people that are interested in how other people do things you know so in that respect um it has, it has great purpose and validity and that's kind of but it's 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 just that people should understand it for that you know and not say it's 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 not the everything, you know. It's not like the end product. Oh, someone's displaying some amazing molar technique or something. Oh, that is it, you know. It's not it. It's it's you know that molar technique, whatever they're doing, is is a technique that's been learned. So in order to facilitate some kind of expression within the music that they're going to play, and if that person's not playing any music or not involved in any kind of social thing, you know, like you know actually playing music with people or whatever, then. You know, I my view is I find I find that kind of missing a big point. You know, a big part of what it is. You know, the kind of uh, sharing the music thing. You know, uh, but that's just a, that's just a personal view. You know, but I I so I feel like that. You know, if I was to be, um, I was the word evangelical came to mind, but I, I don't really like that word. Um, if I was to be sort of someone who was you know had a had an opinion about something then that would probably be my my one thing that I would stand by and have a conversation with anybody with just to say that's my view. You know, my view is that I feel that um, the point of everything we do is to play music with other people, you know, and to create music and, uh, you know, and, and to supply that that artistic, that cultural lifeblood into society, you know, that thing, that escapism thing that people... 
that don't play music want to be part of and and, and enjoy and and, uh, and and have a break from the rest of their life and all that all that kind of different stuff and you know the artistic thing of art should change the way you see the world permanently you know something should should open your eyes and make you see the world differently forever you know music's the same thing it should open your your ears and your heart and all that stuff and make you feel differently about the moment you know and the world and uh and also make you seek you know seek out things so what the hell's all this got to do with technique you, know, you may be asking dave you know but anyway it's about that thing of the other the other person in this thing so you got the one side of the schooled the schooled player and then there's loads of i've seen tons of amazing unschooled players you know that found it all through the thing that I was talking about about why I find the sticks that I found. Uh, now, I'm, what I'm I'm not saying I'm not an unschooled player. That's not what I am saying. I have been through um, systems and teaching and classical training and all kinds of stuff. You know, um, the thing that I feel helped me sort of survive all that for me is I'm a bit belligerent, you know, and I've got kind of my own thing going on and I'm always sort of thinking about things in a different way and I'm trying to feel my way through things and you know I don't necessarily even pay much attention to what I'm being taught I've got to be interested it's kind of one of my facets you know if I'm not interested in something you know even when I started off this podcast because I thought today's been it's like Sunday and it's been a very it's been a bit of a difficult day you know and um and I've kind of I wanted to do this podcast tonight, so I sort of I wasn't I wasn't going to do it. And I sat down, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to yeah, let's just get going. Let's get let's just load things. That's almost doing it like on autopilot, like like as, like as if I wasn't going to do it. But I was just kind of loading the computer and sitting myself down. I'd made some notes about this sort of abstract thing about technique and. And as I started talking, you know, 15 minutes ago, however long we've been going uh, so far, I was even just feeling like I just just wanted to stop talking you know i was like i'm not into this i'm just not into it um because and that's one of my kind of I, i'd say in it's one of my downfalls in some ways because it's sort of it can just really get in the way of me getting things done or getting things off the ground or or lots of different things it can be quite negative um but it also it sort of feeds into a side of it sort of feels like it feeds into the side of my personality where it's like a thing of, of being a little bit sort of um, just wanting to be able to think for myself, kind of work things out on my own a little bit and make sure that I'm doing things in my own way so that, you know, I, don't, I feel like the, the end product, like the beginning product, the thing that makes the music and makes the sound is an individual, you know, and uh, I, I was talking yesterday um, about transcription. We had this kind of open day thing, which we do at work. And we, had, we were doing an online one yesterday, and we, we do quite a few a year, and we always talk about transcription because it's kind of key part of, a, um, of what we do uh, at college with the, in the jazz kind of the pathway, the, the jazz pathway. It, one of the key things is, is transcription. Another one is composition. And these two things that facilitate and they lead to the skills of improvisation. You know, it's obviously, you know, like technique and all those other things. But these kind of key things is one of these key things is, is transcribing. And I was sort of saying yesterday, and I've said this many times in the past, is that I was always not very good at it. 
But part of the reason for that, I believe, actually, it was because I only wanted to get so far with it in relation to copying because I wanted to try, I think, and when I was playing it, would still would still sort of sound like me, but also one of the ridiculous things of that is is, is it'll always sound like me because I'm me, you know, and um, I'm not somebody else. So even if I got it, what I would consider to be identical, it still wouldn't be identical, you know. If someone was watching me play it, for instance, even if it sounded identical, they'd still be looking at me, and they'd be like, you know, they wouldn't be looking at you know, Tony Williams or someone, you know, who I'd be transcribing or Peter Erskine or something. They'd just be looking at Dave Walsh playing the drums, even if it sounded exactly the same, which he never would, but say for some miracle I worked for 10 years on one bar or something, you know. Anyway, that's all kind of a bit farcical. But the, the, but the it all leads back to this thing of having this kind of this sort of slight belligerence, you know, just this sort of thing of, I'm going to do things my way. And that was kind of, you know, like things about the sticks, you know, um, I mean, I had a lesson with uh, somebody, a very, very well-known drum teacher, I won't say who it is, but uh, we talked about the sticks and then he was basically saying you know, the, the stick that I was using was not... Two, in fact, I had two lessons with two different, very, very amazing, very, very amazing drummers. And they both said the same thing, you know. They both said, your stick isn't the right stick for you, you know. And... Uh, I found that really challenging and it's still not made me stop using that stick because I still feel when I play, I feel the most connected to the instrument with that stick. It doesn't matter what I do. I talked last week, didn't I? I think on the last podcast and I was listening to that about being on the pad and using different sticks, you know, and, and I use these, like I've got these ones, these ST10 Swinger American Custom sticks which I was playing with again and they've just been on the pad for weeks and weeks and weeks now you know and I just play those sticks but I wouldn't I wouldn't sit behind the kit and play with these sticks I wouldn't get on the kit and do any recording or anything I've got my Peter Erskine originals and they're, that's the sticks that I use on the instrument because when I hit the instrument not a pad when I actually hit the cymbals and the toms and the different landscape the different different reactionary landscapes, you know, the hi-hat's different than the floor tom and everything's got, you know, that that thing I want to feel when I hit the instrument, a specific kind of connection through the end-heavy stick, you know. I don't want a stick that's got more weight in the hand. I definitely don't want that. And so that and that's come from my own kind of exploration. And then I think about these players that you see that have definitely not been schooled and, like, their playing, is, it's mega. And they've not gone through a system. And they couldn't probably even tell you how they're... what sort of technique they're using or anything. They could they could tell you about what they were playing, probably, but they probably couldn't tell you how they were doing it, you know. And so it's kind of a challenging point because part of the way I teach is I believe that, you know, how we do what we do is everything. And... Um, and it's that thing of if you understand and can remember, you can self-learn. You know, you, you, well, you can go away and you can go away and, and expand on on a, on, a, on a simple concept or something that somebody shares with you. You can spend quite a lot of time on your own actually if you've got that approach. If you really get a good piece of information that's useful to you and kind of relates to the way you're wanting to make the sound on the instrument and and, and be on the instrument, that like two or three small bits of information like that, as long as you understand them, uh, 
and rem and can remember them, then they can serve you really well for quite a long period, and you could probably spend, um, you know. I mean, take the Ted Reed book, the syncopation, those exercises, the syncopation sets two, and those, uh, and then those exercises one to one to eight. You know, after that, I mean, there's, it, when you understand all those different concepts of practicing those exercises, like apart from checking in with somebody, just to check in with somebody, maybe just about whether the the sound is happening or whatever. The job or work of them is to is to practice them, isn't it? Is to practice that coordination, you know. All those different concepts that I understand about those Ted Reed exercises, all those different approaches, not just the triplet stuff, but all the Latin and the funk stuff. Like, for me, there's ten years of practice in the Latin and the funk stuff, which I've barely scratched the surface of. You know, uh, I certainly understand the concepts and. And in a sense of teaching and, and helping others, you know, to sort of switch the light bulb on, definitely have kind of have that, that way of facilitating that. But the job of work of practicing all those things and nailing them all is some is not somewhere where I'm at yet. You know, um, with the swing and the triplet stuff, I'm a long lot further down the road than I was four years, three or four years ago. You know, for sure, because I've worked on them quite a lot and really kind of got into a few areas that were really, I was really burying my head a bit in the sand from because they were hard, you know, and I just wasn't facing facing the kind of demons. And part of having some lessons was to do that because it was just that thing of like, you go to somebody, you know, just for them to sort of, to get it under the light bulb, you know, and get it under the microscope and go, look, you need to sort this out. Because sometimes somebody else saying, sort something out to you can just be the most helpful thing, you know, saying it to yourself, it's sometimes you don't believe yourself, do you, you know? Somebody else says it and you start to believe yourself. We're not all 100% self-assured, are we? You know, it's, it's good to have that, you know, human kind of interaction, have somebody else kind of just critique you and, and affirm or confirm something that you're maybe worried about, you know. But back to this thing of technique, you know, is there a one-size-fits-all thing? And I'm not, um, I'm not making an argument either way, by the way. I just wanted to talk a little bit about kind of different techniques again it's sort of revisiting uh, a previous podcast i did quite a long time ago but just to kind of re to go back over some of those some things that we talked about and maybe just just to um maybe just re kind of um confirm a few approaches and about why those approaches maybe sound the way they do or work the way they do you know and so um I was going to start with like the finger control thing, which was a new thing to me and, and, and talk a little bit about also about the traditional grip thing, because there's this whole kind of idea that if you play traditional grip, the left hand is universally the same, you know, and again, it's not true, you know, how the left hand works and where we can, you know, play from and get propulsion and energy from, I, you know, I, I get doubles. They're doubles with the left hand with traditional grip. I'm doing uh, three lots using my forefinger and then three lots using the thumb without any fingers. You, you see what I mean? So 
this there's this whole thing of, of of rolling the thumb and using the thumb as a as a thing to articulate the end of a rebound. Or the or the forefinger closing the finger up, you know. So those one the, the, the first one of those two was with the thumb, dagger do dat, and the second one was with the forefinger, dagger do dat. You know, they're just different ways of of um, of uh, making an articulation, you know. But some people say, well, you know, they're the same kind of uh, they're the same sort of technique in relation to you're you're using a a a, uh, a part of your limb to to you know to close up the stick, whereas this approach is is that using that kind of molar elbow thing where you kind of lock up the hand and and create the accent from the elbow you know um so because it's that thing of where you know where does the energy come from some people say from the shoulder i, I don't that's not my view people who know me know that i feel the shoulders are actually should be pretty neutral and relaxed i i feel like the um the actual energy comes from the elbow. If you're going to use that kind of pick up uh, and strike, that molar kind of idea where you get the free energy on the way up, the tap on the way up to striking, you know, then the the pivot points, the pivot points are definitely the shoulder is a pivot point, of course, because because the, obviously the shoulder, the arm is is moving through the um, through the shoulders, um, but it's not like boxing where you're throwing from the hip. And you're and you're throwing th you know through the hip and and rotating the body and then the the shoulder is the beginning point to the elbow to the wrist to the, to the fist you know it's not that thing in my in my view my playing and the way I teach you know what I talk about if you want to use that kind of energy point if you want to use the energy point from the hip or from from the shoulder if you want to go in then that's fine you know. Um, it was a great video years ago that did the rounds and then sort of disappeared, um, as a few of these do. Um, and it was a Vinnie Colliuta thing. He was he was recording a track with this this guitarist called Kimo um, Williams. I think he's called Kimo Williams. I think that's his name. Um, yeah, I think that's his name. I'm going to look it up actually while I'm talking. Um, and he's recording this track in the studio. And um, I think it was like a Jimi Hendrix cover. Um, and, um, yeah, Kimo Williams, yeah, there he is. Guitarist. Really great player. Um, anyway, the, the, the kind of the, uh, the video is shot from the side of the kit in the studio and it's him tracking, doing the tracking, you know, and it's the whole take of the take that makes, that's made the record, in my understanding of it, anyway. And uh, it's a great video. It's like proper. Um, it's that thing that you never see with studio musicians. You know, when somebody's, you know, the thing about studio recording. Again, I'm not going off on a tangent here, but it's just that thing we forget that somebody's in the studio watching somebody track that. You know, and maybe two or three people: the artist, the producer, and somebody else. You know, whatever. But people are watching a performance, you know, uh, and uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a guy in this. There's a guy in the video. I don't know who he is. He's like an older chap, and he I don't know what he is, but he's definitely been watching. And there's Chemo himself, there's Vinny, 
and he's like really celebratory afterwards, you know, because they've got he's like done this great take, you know, and it's just like nailed everything. He's like mega. And anyway, so he's like a bit celebratory and they're kind of like, woo, you know, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and Vinny's like super happy. And and then he starts talking about the technique thing about, you know, and he says, I, you know, I'm going from a short throw, you know. Uh, and he kind of, and he starts talking about this thing about hitting in the hand, you know, but it's from a short throw. And it's really, it's that thing of just kind of from the forearm through the wrist, very, very short throw. So, so you're getting a lot of power but you're not moving a long way from the instrument, you know. And so a lot of people can get this idea wrong um, with the molar thing because the kind of molar idea, and it's correct, is to understand the concept, is that is that the elbow comes up, and you can't see this because it's an audio thing, sorry, but, you know, the elbow comes up into the air and then you, I, what I think is you push through the elbow and strike the instrument. And then that thing, on the way up as the elbow is picking up, the hand is relaxed and the, the stick is dropping in a very relaxed hand. And there's a tap, a very, very gentle stroke. Tap, strike, and then the strike and then the rebound creates two different, slightly different dynamics. So there's always this thing of like the finger control player to the molar player, two ends of the spectrum. And, and my personal journey with that was, as, as I said before, you know, this uh, molar thing, you know. So, um, you know, this is triplets with the right hand. And then you put the left hand you put the left hand in between, you do the same motion with the pickup, the pickup accent. So you're going da 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 So that's just triplets played with the right and the left hand in the same motion, a molar motion. And um and I and I discovered that I you know, listen to one of my early podcasts, you can hear the very boring story about all that like a self-discovery thing. But um, again, it was another thing that reaffirmed my slightly belligerent attitude about things, you know, is I discovered that for myself, you know, and sort of believed for years that it was a secret thing, you know, and then realised that it wasn't at all. Um, but um, the, um, the idea is, as the quicker it goes, the shorter the throw, you know, because obviously can't be right up in the air to play quick because it's just too far away, you know. Um, you know, you wouldn't do a short journey via the moon, would you, you know. Um, so, so the finger control thing, when I, when I was thinking about 2004, maybe 2003, I was going through what I would consider an evolutionary time in my own drumming, you know. Um, it was... I don't know what it was. I think the internet was kind of getting pretty, you know, uh, accessible, you know, and it was kind of easy to go on the internet and, like, find videos and download videos and because the speeds were up there, you know. And I found this guy called Art Verdi. Uh, I may have talked about him before, may not have done. Um, and uh, I found these videos and... They were like these technique videos of this rebound thing, you know, this finger control rebound stuff, which I'd never really explored myself because um, because I don't play in that way, you know. I've never, the music I've been playing and the kind of, what I've been doing on the instrument has never called for that kind of technical approach. Anyway, 
Um, I think I've told this story before. Anyway, I, I emailed him uh, and he replied very, very quickly. And I had a load of videos up at the time on a website, my old website that I used to have. And uh, and he was dead nice. He's, you know, I, he went on my website and looked at some of my videos and then he kind of replied to me quite specifically, having seen me play. He didn't reply to the email, which was really interesting. And he was very complimentary about my playing, which was really lovely of him, you know. But he was saying, yeah, you're kind of, your, your approach is more of the molar kind of thing for the multi-stroke. He said, my thing is just, it's just a single input rebound thing from the finger, you know, or from the thumb or whatever on the left hand of a traditional grip or the forefinger. And, uh, and then I was watching his videos and then he gave me some exercises to practice. He said, this is what, this is how you kind of build up that muscle, that kind of way of getting the stick to bounce, you know. So, and then these roll things, you know. So I, the way I play it, by the way, is I play, I mean, the, the, the rebound in the right hand is, is primarily middle finger. Because the thing is, you're trying to, you're trying to get, you're trying to get speed by minimising the amount of things that you're moving, you know. The more that you move things and the further that you move things, the heavier and the slower it is, you know. So the smallest muscles in the body are in the fingers, pretty much. You know, the, I mean, the sort of usable muscles that we that we have. You know, we've got some really funky little muscles, I think, in our elbows and stuff. But, you know, just that sort of thing of, in drums, the muscles in our fingers are a lot smaller than the muscles in our wrists, you know, in our forearm, you know, and in our, um, and in our uh, you know, bicep and tricep and then in our shoulder and all that stuff. So his, his sort of thing was about kind of playing from a, from a very short throw, so to speak. It's back to this kind of Vinny thing. It kind of reminded me. Uh, when I sort of think of Vinny, it kind of reminded me of thinking about that short throw thing in a different way, you know. And anyway, so I spent, I've, I've said all this before, I spent quite a lot of time practising this this rebound thing. It's a unison exercise. It works really well. A lot of my students, are my students that, you know, that are good students that really work and practise on different things have done it and, and they've got great results from it, you know. Because it because the thing about, the thing about having this kind of, this rebound thing, the thing about having that kind of uh, in the single hand is you've got this ability to be able to, to play very delicate roles very quickly that have, um, like, they have, they have great dynamic variety in, in, in relation to going in with weight and then just taking the weight away. So you've still got the rebound going, but you're just taking the weight away and you're moving away from the instrument very slightly. Because that thing in physics, you think about it, you know, if you're, I talk about this little thing in teaching sometimes where you, you're going in from a great height, but like that tap stroke there. So the tap, you're, you're only just touching the drum because you're kind of judging, you know, you're sort of judging where you're hitting. But you can't make that sound by just sort of, tapping the drum from a very 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 short throw so it's like that that's that's, an, that's another physics thing to consider um but it's also this thing of of just as you if as you're playing if you're when i when i'm teaching people to do the sort of ted reed triplets um 
So you've got these triplets going, these omnipresent triplet triplets quavers going on, and then you've got the like the first exercise one is d da do da di da 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 do da di di da do da da do da. Now omnipresent is yeah like a it's just like an engine ticking over whatever you know it's just got it's just that it's that thing that if if it's tuned right it's sweet it ticks over like a sewing machine or whatever and you've got to have that in your playing you know whatever's happening the inner thing has got to be tuned it's got to be ticking over and then and then in that you've got the kind of fire, you know, the moments of articulation, the moments of expression, you know. Um, it's like if you've watched Buddy Rich, you know, and you're watching him play. There's that thing that if you look at the left hand, it's pretty much always doing something, but you can't hear a lot of it, you know, but you can certainly feel it in the playing because it's there. And it's just because it's in a momentum, you know, it's in a certain sort of a momentum. But the thing with um, the Ted Reed triplets is what I say to a lot of students is, you know, when you're when you're playing these triplets, um, if I'm giving a lesson, and you know, and it, it's something you'd have to, you have to really have the lesson with and see and be able to kind of share in a moment. But the thing I talk about is about is about being closer or further away from the snare drum. It helps with that dynamic, you know, and it's just a way of connecting to the instrument. And it's about how how where the sort of the fundamental position that you're that you're playing the quiet quavers from, not the position where you're playing the accents from, you know. And so you get into this thing of like, you know, some people say, you know, pad, the mic's a bit, a little bit in the way of the pad here, but see, I'm hitting the, the hitting the mic stand with the left hand because I'm trying to do a full stroke with traditional. I'm sort of hitting, they're like hitting the mic stand. Um, but basically, I'm, you know, I'm I'm sort of adopting that that rule of the sort of free stroke thing and the full stroke thing of of like. The full stroke is, you know, you 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 throw with the right hand. You're throwing in the stick so that it propels itself back to the starting position without you having to make it come back. So you're using the energy that you're putting in for it to return to where it needs to, as opposed to sort of pulling the stick back up like a lifting accents thing, you know, where you're kind of because uh, that's a way of playing. You know, I quite like that idea of of as you strike the drum. You kind of you, you you sort of pulling away from the drum, coming away. It creates a different kind of vibe and dynamic and sound. You know, and it's perfectly valid. But you know, a lot of this kind of generic teaching, especially the kind of American system, and um, you know, if you, if you like the Joe Morello school and uh, and all that, is a lot of it's this this idea of, of the full stroke thing of of where where the stroke comes from. You're putting enough energy in so that the stick is rebounding back to where it begins without you having to do any work, you know. And that's the fundamental thing. It's about kind of how much work you're putting in. You want your playing to sound relaxed, you know. And again, this like finger control thing, this bouncing thing, it's the same concept really. It's about once you get the stick going, you the the, the, the fundamental thing that I, I practiced was I started to put 
like the other stick over the top of just my right or my left hand. And it was just so that I wasn't rebounding any higher than a centimetre and a half or two centimetres. Because again, the distance, the more distance I rebound, rebounded from the snare, then the slower I would inevitably be. Because if I'm if I'm rebounding an inch and a half or, you know, or four centimetres or something, you know, then it's going to take me longer to get back to the drum. If I'm rebounding a centimetre or a centimetre and a half, then I'm, I'm then almost like trying to keep up with the rebound in the finger. And that's where the training thing comes in. You know, you train yourself to, for the muscle memory to respond respond to the rebound and then you get it so it gets more and more relaxed and then you get that propulsion going on it's a very efficient uh, motion i mean the first time i think i ever saw that done was when i saw somebody do the table you know a, a ping pong bat table tennis bat when they do that thing where you bounce the ball and then they bounce it really really close you get it like that on the on the on the on the table tennis table you know with the bat and the ball really, really just moving very slightly. It's exactly the same concept with the drumstick and your middle finger or your thumb or your forefinger in traditional grip. I tend to, because I, I like to use the thumb in my left hand, I tend to find that, uh, I tend to find the thumb works better for me with the rebound thing. Um, Especially at speed, as 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 the hand speed increases, the, the sorry, as the rebound increases, the hand gets stiller and the thumb is able to just operate on its own without any of the rest of my hand moving at all. It's not as easy at slower speeds. It's much easier to do it with the forefinger at slower speeds. I, I find that anyway. So I have this kind of always have this hilarious conversation with. Um, I'm sort of teaching it of sort of. You know, when students see me do it, they see me do it with the thumb, and they go, "Oh, it's really hard to do it slowly." I say, "Yeah, I I tended to practice it like um, I practice it with the forefinger slower, and, then I, and as the speed increased, I started to use the thumb. You know, but the it's it, with uh, slower speeds with the thumb, it's it's more difficult. You know." Um, but I spent a lot of time doing this unison hand practice thing that Art Verdi uh, talks about. He has a video called Practicing Properly, and it's just about basically halving your practice time by practicing unison exercises with the left and the right hand at the same time. The, the basic concept of it is that you can only play as fast as the slowest hand, which is correct, you know, so when, you, when you're playing hand-to-hand -hand stuff together. So his whole thing is about bringing the hands up to the same speed, and you do that progressive uh, specific exercises progressive exercise so um, I was able to get into that at, uh, with the thumb at a reasonable speed it wasn't too quick but it was quick enough to be able to do this regime um, and then I did it when I did it slower I do it in traditional grip I do it with the hand like with the palm of the hand turned over so I see the back of the hand and I do the rebound through my middle finger and my forefinger um, like I'm doing in the right hand. So I'm, do, I'm rebounding with my got fulcrum and then I've got my middle finger in the right hand and the left hand I've got my the palm turned over so you can see the back of the hand and I've got my middle finger and my forefinger creating the rebound. 
the, the sort of uh, the fourth finger moves a bit as well. The little finger doesn't do anything. Um, and then I turn the hand round and then keep that same rebound thing going with the middle finger or the forefinger. And that's the sort of unison thing. And as it gets quicker, I find the uh, find the thumb like that is the is the is the quicker one. Um, and practicing it with the fingers tends to help warm the thought. It's just because it's just by getting the hand in that space. The whole hand is kind of connected together, really. You know, I feel like the hand operates as one thing, really. You know, all, all these kind of finger control thing, all the other fingers and what the hand's doing is all working. It feels to me like it's all working together, you know. It doesn't feel like they're independent things. They're just, just that you're trying to utilise the smallest muscles you can, you know. And so the only thing in the left hand that's maybe a bit contradictory to that is the thumb muscles definitely not as small as the forefinger muscles, you know. But I just seem to... When I'm really, really warmed up, my left hand thumb rebound is faster than my right. So it kind of tells me that, you know, there's something good going on there. The, if, if, if my weaker hand is eventually quicker than the stronger hand, uh, then I, I'm using the best thing for me. Because it's just about, it's about sound, you know, it's about making a sound and I can make a successful sound that I'm trying to make by by using the thumb, you know. Having this kind of dynamic control with these rolls and being able to just do these kind of wispy rolls on the cymbal. They're, they're, they're different than playing with doubles, you know. So, but yeah, it's the, the thing with and the thing with that kind of French grip, if you like, you know, where it's with the fingers and it's a, it's like a timpani, you know. I I I never played like this on timps, uh, but I I knew people that did, and they played with a very open hand with the fingers they do rolls and the dampening was very different i was a german basically german technique for temps you know flat hand three finger dampening system um and i liked that system i i, I there's something about i like the control i liked the uh, the precision of it it was it really appealed to a part of my kind of personality which um, you know which likes that kind of um yeah, it's like sort of Germanic approach, really. It's definitely an, en an engineering type approach. You know, it's definitely got sort of a there's a feeling of of, um, of a very clear way of doing something. You know, and so uh, I learned a lot uh, from playing timps. You know, about snare drum technique and about using this. this German technique and, and playing with the stick going straight through to that little, uh, right to the middle of the the palm and into the wrist. So basically the stick is, the stick's not sticking out from the fingers, it's going straight towards the forearm. So it, it feels like the stick is definitely an extension of your forearm. And then, you know, and... And that sort of technique, I really felt like was was just a good technique for power, you know, and a way of kind of getting, delivering power, um, and quite muscular. And then I was like thinking this week about that that kind of idea of um, of there being like an ultimate way, you know, like there's a way of making it all work with no effort, which people talk about, you know, and they talk about it in different. Um, 
in all different parts of life, you know, um, you get these people that talk about, you know, when they're doing something on a, like on the highest level, uh, you know, the, the, someone who's like, you know, regarded as one of the best in the world and they're doing something on a very high level, they talk about this thing of almost doing it like as if they're on the outside watching themselves do it or, you know, whatever. Um, like an experience of it almost doing itself, you know. And I've heard lots of different stories, you know, not just in music but in in, in other um, sports and things of people talking about, you know, um, things having that just happening and, and not being forced in any way. And I was thinking about this idea of, you know, is there a way... Is it playing from muscle? Is 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 there a thing of oh you know, should I be trying harder? You know, I'm always thinking should I be trying harder or should I be trying less? You know, it's that kind of thing of <laughs> they're, they're the opposite end of things, aren't they? And then I was like thinking, now is it just a combination of both? You know, um, because I'll, you know, look at some very very good players technically, um, and. Like they're doing like amazing things, but when I really look, I kind of see a level of muscle in it, and it always looks like it's got a slight bit of tension in it, you know. And I'm thinking, now is that tension? Is there more be because of that, or is are they getting more? And the byproduct is that, you know. So you know the byproducts inevitably some tension, but um, the tension's enough of a of a of a kind of trade off because they're getting twenty percent more with the with the kind of just the kind of muscular effort of it the you know the the, the strength of it if you like, or is there is there is there fifteen percent more, you know without the tension you know. And it's an age-long argument, that, isn't it? Because lots of people would absolutely say that any form of tension is bad, you know. And uh, and it's the kind of tension, though, isn't it? I don't think all tension is the same. Maybe it is. I don't know. You know, I think some people get tense when they're trying to do something, and then some people just display um, a little bit of... It's like not stiffness, but just something that's... You know, that's a little bit kind of uh, maybe it's stiff, slightly harsh in its kind of look. Um, and again, it's you know whether or not there's there's ten percent more, or they're getting twenty percent more, and that's the trade-off. You know, and I, I always find that kind of an interesting place to be thinking about things. You know, um, my view in the last well since. This I've talked about this before. This lockdown thing has definitely been more on the side of of getting better at not getting out of control, you know. And so I, you know, my own argument and my own kind of approach has definitely been in the last six months of making a real effort to to definitely not have tension, you know, to just to be steering away from it as much as possible, you know. So yeah, maybe I'm answering my own question there. 
But but yeah, I mean, this is more an observation about watching other people, and I'm always interested in how other people are doing what they're doing, and I always think, you know, everyone sounds amazing and it's brilliant, and um, oh, I should be doing things differently. Um, well, not necessarily that, but it's, you know, there's I I'm always intrigued as to whether there's um, whether there's ten percent more or. Or they're getting twenty percent more, and the by and the by the byproduct is the tension. You know, is the mus is that muscular kind of thing, and then is the kind of feel the feel aspect. You know, the kind of how things sound and the, and the way that they feel as well. You know, and I think that the sort of all these discussions and and, and kind of um, pontifications, if you like, are all moot really. Um, if it feels great, do you know what I mean? If it feels great, it doesn't matter, does it? And this is where it kind of goes back to the sort of unschooled players that maybe you hear, you know. You hear somebody, um, like these videos of, you know, people that are um, like on the street playing, you know, buckets and stuff. And uh, there's just like this amazing vibe. And they've just... That's where they started. They started with buckets and they've always played buckets, you know. They just got mega at playing buckets. And, um, you know, you stuck them on a real drum kit and they, I bet they'd sound killing, you know, because there's a kind of... It's kind of come from a, a feel and a sound world place, you know. It's not come from a, a place where um, it's kind of trying to emulate something else, you know. Um and and not there's anything wrong with the second thing by the way i'm just it's just an observation that you know where where is one trying to create a vibe you know and where is one getting their vibe from you know and and then where you know technique and how does technique fall into this and and you know um because the, the the technique thing I've always said is like the lonely journey, really. It's something that I mean, something that I, I mean, I'm sharing it now on here, and something that I have discussions with, with with students, you know, obviously, and other drummers that I know, and um, but it's not something that an audience or someone that hears you on a recording or you know any any of that side of what we do is remotely interested, unless you like do a drum clinic or something, you know, some kind of demonstration. But I'm just talking generally about playing the drums in music and people digging it and, you know, getting into the vibe. They don't, they're not kind of, you know, like watching your every move technically. They're, they're just watching you expressing yourself and, you know, hopefully having a nice vibe with that, you know what I mean? So, it, yeah, it can be kind of interesting uh, way of seeing things but yeah so so there's this idea of um of where we kind of play from and those those different techniques um and then there's just that i was thinking about this thing about sort of um yeah the sort of the, the sort of non-muscular or muscular way of doing things and about tension and i think it's just something you could think about um and about when you're practicing yourself and about kind of uh, what technical um, kind of hurdles uh, ask of you, you know. So I had this exercise this week, which was, I think I was playing a little bit right at the beginning of this. Um, and I was playing a lot today because the um, I like Sundays uh, when the Formula 1's on because some of the time 
like today, I will put I'll put the radio on at um, the race normally starts at ten past the hour. So today it was in Russia. It was ten past one. It's normally ten past two. All, all most of the races this year have been very Europe because that's where we've only been able to have races. There've been races every week, and it's been ten past two nearly every Sunday. And uh, what I tend to do is I sit down with the pad. I put the radio thing on my phone and um, I'll have one little technical thing or rudimental thing or something that I'm going to like spend two hours because the race is an hour and a half or whatever but the program's on for nearly two hours you know it's like two o'clock till four o'clock and uh, and I was that's what I was doing today and I had this little discovery yesterday which is why I revisited it today I had a lot of a bit of a brief moment yesterday when I was up here just um, I was on the pad for a little bit. Um, was up here for a bit yesterday doing something at work, and um, I was. So I've got this theory about flams and hand-to-hand flams, and the, and the, the all you know the hand-to-hand flams is the same as double strut rolls and the Swiss Army triplet and all that stuff, because you know, the Swiss Army triplet is one hand swung, one hand straight. Hand-to-hand flams are two hands swung. Double strut rolls are both hands straight. Blah, 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 go away and think about that, work it out. It's not rocket science. Anyway, the theory is that it means when you understand that concept is that you can play flams anywhere in any pattern. And today I found, yesterday I found this pattern and it's like, again, another little thing of like, "Ah, Dave, you're not quite right there. It's not as easy as that. You can play the flams, but it's not got the fluidity or the speed. And the pattern was um, I was actually playing this some sort of pataflafa things. So alternating flams and then right left. So and then and then I always always end any of those patterns with. Uh, a whole bar or whatever measure it is of alternating flams. You know, do the same things I do when I do the um, when I do the flam accent. I'll do this flam accent exercise thing. Um, always the end of it, the whole bar or measure of alternating flams. Anyway, I was playing this thing yesterday, and um, I was playing these semi-quavers. I mean, I was... Okay. And that's just flam, flam, single flam, flam, single flam, flam, single flam, flam, single flam, flam. And then back to the da 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 the single semi-quavers or 16th notes, or quavers or 8th notes, whichever one you want to think about it. But I was like really struggling to get that pattern fluid, you know, yesterday and today and now. Um, And it was again of like, ah, why is that theory of understanding the alternating flam thing and all that and the double stroke roll and the Swiss Army Truth thing not seeing me right with that pattern? So then I was like looking at it as triplets, you know, so you got... Okay, so that's the first variation. The second one is um, is, and then the third one is. Sorry, um, 
ironically, the third one was the one that I was going to argue was the easiest one to play. It was one of the three that I messed up. So funny. Um, but they're all, it's all the same thing. It's two flams and a single stroke. And it's either two flams and a single stroke within one triplet or single stroke, two flams or flam, single, flam, flam. Okay. And, um, yeah, and I was kind of practicing that exercise today and it was like, oh, you know, it's just those little wake-up calls. You get these little patterns sometimes that come and just remind you that maybe you've understood a concept so far, you know, like to a, you know, to a reasonable point, to a point that's got you, you know, I've got this kind of thing going... Um, they're double strokes, and I can turn them into flams. You know. So that's all very beautiful. Now, the reason why that's kind of happening, there's two reasons why. One, it's because it's all the same, which is always easier. And secondly, I've done a lot of work on it. So, you know, um, the second thing came before the first, by the way. I did a lot of work on it and got to the point where I could do it that quickly that's kind of the the order of progression here but it's because they're all the same ultimately and the thing that's tricky with that pattern where you're doing the flam flam single flam flam single flam flam single flam flam single that's really hard when you're trying to go between all three different ones I find that difficult even at that speed you know is because it's just a little bit out of the muscle memory thing. It's just got that little, it's got that single one that just takes you out of the pattern. And that's why the pataflarflary sort of style thing, where the way the flam moves through, is not as hard because you've got an even number of single strokes to the flams. So really, if you're thinking about... It's just like going... You know, as the flams move through. Etc., um, etc. Et Anything where you've got those sort of double stroke patterns doesn't really matter where they are. It's the same thing, they, they turn into flams. You can really hear there the open. Now, I'm always in that. You know, the second one of trying, not trying to make it happen, not trying too hard, trying to make it just... Like, like that is no effort at all. And so it kind of leads me back to that thing, and now I should never be trying, you know. But there's that moment where you have to articulate something different, and that's where you've got to try. So this kind of leads me back to this idea of... Um, it's all oh, might sound a bit mad, this, but just this thing of, like, it's a combination of when you're learning something of, of maybe of tapping into the fluidity that you know and then it, and then interjecting with some kind of 
deliberate muscular thing in order to just, you know, add in a variation or something slightly different, just to break up a pattern that's very familiar, you know. Um, so that one, like yesterday, even like in a day, I can feel like my brain has worked something out about it, you know. And uh, and I'm playing that a lot slower than I was playing it uh, today uh, and yesterday. I was playing it reasonably quicker yesterday as well. But the thing that's different is that I feel like in the slower thing, the more deliberate thing, I'm able to sort of tap into that relaxed way of playing the flams that's familiar and then that deliberate muscular thing having real kind of intent behind it. And I feel like that for me is like a really quicker way of learning something, you know, because it's that sort of, you're bringing that deliberate thing you're having to add in, you're bringing it into the world that's already familiar to you, you know. So, um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was kind of, a, it, it was funny, I had this kind of thought today about this kind of muscular versus um, just letting it happen, man, kind of vibe. And uh, that exercise was exactly why I'd actually been subconsciously thinking about that. I wasn't even thinking about it at the time when I was practicing it. It kind of came to me. Because I was watching this drummer today, and he sounded really good, and I was just watching the right hand, and there was definitely some, you know, there was a little bit of a bit of muscle in there, you know, a bit of kind of, yeah, just pushing it a little bit. Uh, it sounded great, but it was just that thing of, Oh, yeah, is, is, uh, is that as fluid? Is that the fluidest way it could be? But it sounds great, you know, and there's like, you know, the arm looks a little bit tense, but he's got the muscle and he's got the speed to do it, you know. Um, and then there's just all those different kind of, te- you know, there's like the... And then there's... Which is the, pu- the up and down push-pull thing with the right hand. And again, I do that... In the left hand, I use... Uh, I sort of turn, uh, I turn the hand and then I use the thumb when I'm doing the, I sort of use the thumb and the forefinger together actually, more in the triplet one like that, I use, I sort of use the thumb and the forefinger together, but in the single, in the sort of pairs of doubles, it's more, it's the way that the hand twists and the thumb just kind of assists a little bit. right hand it's just um, yeah it's just trying to have that micro movement and always um, oh, it's always that thing of starting on the on the up the the just on the upbeat before downbeat with a pull up so you can land with a strong stroke you know So the the one, two, and three, and four, and one, two, three, and four, and one. The and is is a drop stroke, and then the one is the pull up. So I'm def- I'm pulling up onto the strong beats of the bar. If you start on badu dadu 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 da, the 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 downbeat, if you're landing on it, is a, is a is a is a stroke that's going away. So it's a stroke where you're dropping the stick away to then be collected on the next stroke, you know. So you know, you're never going to get a strong sound on that, you know. 
So I always, when I'm using that technique, I always I always just have a little upbeat going on. <clears throat> so I've got the, the strong beat. Unless I'm playing to an offbeat uh, strong beat, and then bagger dagger dagger do da, you know. That doesn't matter then because I'm I'm starting the the the, the collection stroke the strong beat is on the Anna you know the last of the of the quaver or the semi quaver sixteenth note grouping eighth note thing whatever it is you know or you know both of them are with the same action in the hand they're both closing the hand up with the forefinger and, and the thumb so um, yeah anyway that's kind of you know, um, that's this week's kind of musings. I don't want to go on too much about it, but I just, um, it's just a good time of year, isn't it? It feels like, like, it feels like things are beginning for me again in relation to teaching. Uh, I start teaching this week, which is great. Um, and so it's been a nice time to sort of just get back into uh, thinking about talking about technique again and stuff and, you know, listening to new people I don't know and about where they're at and about helping them with where they're at and about finding out what the best thing for them is and what they need from, you know, from me and what they need to practice and what they want to practice and all those kind of different things, trying to get the balance of that right, trying to help them, you know, essentially that's all you're trying to do. Um, so it's been, it's, I've definitely felt like I've been kind of getting into that mode again. It's just that thing of the night starting to get a little bit darker earlier it just feels like a time when you kind of, yeah, get back in the shed, you know, getting the kind of, you know, getting the doors shut, the heater on and hunkering down a bit for the winter. Um, so it just has that kind of feeling about it. It's always the same feeling every year, you know. So um, so that was why kind of why, I, yeah, I just thought, you know, each week I was going to have this thing of trying to stick with with where my head's been in the week, you know, not kind of uh, trying to do episodes about things. I mean, all, all the previous things have been that. They're all they're all things that I'll write down. It's just sometimes, um, like when I, when I first set out doing this thing, I had, I had like literally two dozen things written down and it's like, well, okay, well, that's 20 episodes, you know, done. And some of them, I haven't actually done some of those episodes yet because I've just... Um, kind of moved away to other things and other and whatever and then over the last few weeks I've been in this kind of different headspace you know I wanted to do an effort I didn't want to do a brushes thing again and then last week I had this, this sort of weird Q&A thing and um, didn't have a, do, do a thing about planning you know not planning the episode today's episode was not planned again so it's been quite nice um, and and I kind of know now I'm back into the teaching thing and it's going to be the one year anniversary soon of these podcasts because it's October last year when I started, uh, I think it was October, when I first um, started and sort of I think I'm going to get to 40 episodes, which is not bad really. It's not um, quite one a week, but it's pretty good. Um, and yeah, so it's going to be, uh, I don't know if I'm going to have anything special for 40, maybe 50, which is my birthday this year hurrah so maybe um i'm not definitely not going to get to 50 episodes by the time it's my 50th birthday i don't think but um maybe i'll do something special for my 50th episode let's uh, let's see but anyway thanks for uh, listening keep well i hope things are um, okay where you are in the in the uk or the world wherever you are things are a little bit challenging here at the moment again but um, I feel a much better set up now to get through this next bit uh, and come out the other side. 
and then hopefully, you know, the new year brings the new prospect of um, a answer to this hideous virus, you know, which is blighting literally the whole planet's lives. You know, everybody's nobody is not affected by this thing, you know. Um, so, you know, keep strong, everybody. Music will be back. We'll all be back. And we'll all be stronger than ever. We'll all be more appreciative than ever, I'm sure. That's both from an audience perspective and from a playing perspective. And, um, yeah, and it's. I don't think it's going to be too soon off now. So, um, yeah, yeah, let's uh, keep focused, keep the faith, whatever that means. Keep believing in your vibe and in each other. And, uh, yeah, I should be back again same time next week. So bye for now. <laughs>